Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to BCA. If we've not had a chance to meet before, my name is Caleb, and I have the honor and privilege of getting to be the youth pastor here at BCA alongside my wife, Sierra. And today, we're just glad you could join us to end the year in church, having an opportunity to gather together, to be able to dive into God's word, to be able to worship him and to give him the honor and praise that he is worthy of. You know, on December 31st, on New Year's Eve, I think it is so special that we have an opportunity to be able to worship. Because there's a reality this past year for many of us, maybe you have many things that you could celebrate and that you're really joyous about and you're excited about, or maybe there's also a reality that this year has been full of many different difficulties and challenges. Yet no matter what, no matter what this year was, he's worthy of praise today. He's worthy of praise and he's worthy of the glory and honor that he deserves. And so thank you for gathering with us and helping to be able to make sure that could happen. But today is an odd day for myself and is an odd day for Sierra and I because this is the first of many lasts that we'll be experiencing at the start of this year. Uh, This will be my last day being able to preach and to share the word for us as a community as we enter our last month as the youth pastors here at BCA. You see, we got to announce this back in November, and it is now becoming a reality, and it is something that, man, it's bittersweet, but just being honest, I'm not saying this to be flattering. It's a lot more bitter than it is sweet right now, because the reality is we're not leaving for something that we're so excited about because we think it's better. We're just saying, God, this has been such an amazing time and such an amazing people, and God, it's difficult to step away. Because you are a community that God's built up in so many ways, it's worth being a part of. And so today is the first of many lasts, and it's one that is still an honor for me to be able to be a part of, is I get to help lead us through the word. And so, I'll make it through this message, and if you're new today, and you're like, wow, this guy's struggling through it, give me the grace of that. This has been a lot of years in the making, and uh, I'm still really glad you got to be here for this one. So today, what we're going to do is later in the message, I actually want to share with you guys a little bit just about what Sierra and I are stepping into as Pastor Rob's kind of extended the opportunity. But ultimately, my hope is not that you leave this service knowing more about Caleb and Sierra, but actually you leave knowing much, much more about Jesus and how he wants to walk with you this year. And so today, how we're going to do this is we're going to be finishing out our collection of talks that we've done throughout Christmas. You might be like, it's not Christmas anymore. We should be doing something different. Well, actually, we can still talk about who Jesus is and what he is called. That's what we've been looking at this entire month, back to that last week in November, talking about the names of Jesus talking about the things that he has called, he's referred to throughout scripture, and how if we realize all the things he has called, we realize all the things he does, and all the ways that he is with us, and he is for us, and he carries us forward. And so today, we are actually departing a little bit from our initial text that we've been looking through, and we're going to be going to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, to look at one other thing that Jesus has called, and there's many more that we could look at, but one more today that I think is imperative as we end this year and start a new one. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We see the name Emmanuel also introduced or reintroduced to us in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. I know it's been a long Christmas season, but bear with me as we read the story one more time as it still has so much impact for us. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Join me as we pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. We thank you that you go ahead of us, Lord Jesus, in and through all things. And we thank you today that as we gather and we walk into this space with so many different life experiences, that your same spirit, though, can meet each and every one of us in the way we need. So Lord Jesus, may you help me to get out of the way and help your word to get in front of us so that we can hear and receive all the things that you have. And Lord, may we leave this place not just looking forward to the next thing, but leave this place changed by the reality of your word. God, help us today. Lord, we thank you for this past year, however good or difficult it may have been. And we thank you for the one that is to come. Be with us in this moment, your name. Amen. Amen, amen. So Emmanuel, He is called Emmanuel, God with us. That's a crazy statement we've normalized. God with us. You know, there's a reality for many of us that actually the idea of something being with us is actually a little bit uncomfortable because we are used to somebody maybe being for us. We might be used to somebody being willing to encourage us through something, somebody that we can reach out to, but there's always a degree of separation. But God with us, is far more intimate and close than I think we give it credit for. And when we read throughout the Bible and we look throughout even the beginning of Jesus' story in the Gospels, we realize that the Israelites, the Jewish people at that time, they did not necessarily desire God with us. They did not necessarily desire the Messiah to look the way that Jesus did. So today, so that we can understand what it means that God is with us, I think we should understand the things they expected of the Messiah and how they might have been a little bit misguided and how Jesus went and helped to circumvent their misunderstanding. So as we jump in today, what did they, meaning the Jewish people at the time, what did they want from the Messiah? Well, first off, they wanted the Messiah ruling them. They wanted the Messiah to be a king. They wanted the Messiah to be someone who would look to the Jewish people and they would say, I will just rule over you and guide you and I will give you ease. What is a king? A king really is not with the people. The king's above the people. Why? Because guess what? When somebody's above you, they can take the weight off of your shoulders. You have somebody to point to and say, why didn't you do this for me? Why didn't you lead us better? Why didn't you get us to the victory we needed? They wanted someone to rule so that they didn't have to walk with the weight on their shoulders. Don't we do that to God? Don't we do that to God so often? That God looks at us and we look to God and we say, God, I don't want to carry any of the weight. I don't want any of the responsibility, God. God, I want you to be above me. And I want you to lift it off of me. 
But there's a reality that is not the kind of Messiah Jesus desired to be. But we see this throughout the Old Testament. We see this spoken to time and time and time again, that they just wanted the Messiah to rule them, not be with them. When you end up looking at the books of Joshua or Judges, or you look even at the beginning of 1 Samuel, you see the Israelites have a common cry to God. After he has led them out of Egypt, and they go through this wilderness time, and God looks and says, don't be like the other people. I will be your God. I will lead each and every one of you. They cry out time and time again, give us a king. Give us someone to rule. And we see this finally come to a head in 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 5. After God has said, I want to be with you, what do they say? So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. They didn't want a God who was different, a Messiah who had a new path. They just looked and said, give us the comfort of what those around us seem to have. Give us one that would rule us, that would lead us. Give us a king. It's funny because when we think about the nativity and we end up thinking about the Christ story and his birth, we end up looking at it and if you read through it, you end up seeing about the wise men, right? The wise men go and at first, where do they go? They go to Herod. Herod, who at that time would have been referred to as what? As the king of the Jews because he ruled over their land. Why would they go to him? Because it just made sense to them. They want a Messiah that will be king. So Herod must have a successor rising up. Let's go to Herod and see where the king is. They didn't want God with them. They did not want a baby in a lowly major. They wanted someone to rule. But that's not what he showed up to be. The second thing we have to realize about what they wanted is they wanted the Messiah guiding them to their victory. Well, if it's not a king, at least give us someone who's going to guide us to our victory. The our statement in there kind of matters. It's not to his victory, to our victory, to what what? To what we desire, to what we want. Sometimes in our lives, we don't really want God with us by our side. We're like, God, be about two or five steps ahead of me so I can just follow in the steps that you've already outlined. So it can be what? So it can be easy, so it can be comfortable, so it can be what I desire. I think a story for myself that really points this out so well is in Matthew 21, 6 through 11. This is later on in Jesus' life. This is towards the end. This is, he's preparing to be what? To be the sacrifice for all of humanity. It says he's going to enter into Jerusalem. And it says this, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Quick history lesson for you. Earlier on in history, just before this, the Israelites, as they were under oppression, there was a man who rose up who helped them to lead a revolt. His name was Judas Maccabeus. And I can't do like the full history lesson. That's not like my specialty. But this guy rises up. And he helps to be able to lead them forward, to lead them out of the oppression that they were under. And when he rode in to Jerusalem on a horse, they shouted, Hosanna to the Lord. Why? Because someone has guided us to our victory. 
So when Jesus rides in on a humble donkey and they go and they start having this kind of Palm Sunday moment of Hosanna, Hosanna, waving the branches, what are they saying? Our victor's here. We get to have our revolution over the Romans. We get to receive what we want. We get our comfort back. We get our victory back. Jesus has come to be the thing that we want him to be. They wanted him to guide them to victory. They wanted him to give them what? what they thought was best. But Jesus shows up, he goes to the temple, and then what's he do? He goes to the upper room and sits down for dinner, and I bet the whole town was like, what just happened? This was supposed to be the start of something, but they did not realize it was the start of something much greater than they could ever imagine. You see, they wanted the Messiah to guide them to their victory, but Jesus knew the battle that they really needed to fight. The third thing that they had was they wanted the Messiah to establish them. I want to make sure this is not misunderstood. We have to realize what was Jesus truly trying to establish at that time for the people. Israel wanted to see life get easier. The Jewish people at that time, his disciples even wanted their lives to get easier back to the way that they expected it to be, the way that they wanted it to look like. They wanted to feel established. How many of us have our times in life that when you're in your 20s, it's easy to have faith in God because maybe you've looked and you've said, God, I'm going to pray to you a lot. Why? Because I want to have that right job. God, I want to meet that right person. God, I want to buy a good house. Good luck. God, I want to find whatever it may be. And we look around and we say, God, establish me. Establish my family. Make me important. Make me comfortable. And then you get to your 40s and 50s and guess what you don't need anymore? You don't need God. Why? He's established me. I'm good. Israel wanted the same thing at this time. They wanted establishment. So in Acts 1, 1 through 11, I think it's so important. We look at this right now. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. He's appeared back before the disciples. This is when he's like, hey, I'm about to go away. Some of the most important words he would ever say to his disciples, he says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go to heaven. Whenever I talk about this story, I always love reading the last part of it because sometimes people say that sounds really confusing. It literally is like Jesus, like what's he do? He just flies up. He's like, whoop. And then the disciples are being really logical. They're looking up. And then God says, give them some angels to tell them that they need to go just do what he said. The Bible has miraculous things in it. We should be okay with that. But in this moment, we have to recognize where were the hearts of the disciples at? They had walked with Jesus for three years. They walk with him. They're doing life with him. Jesus is telling him everything that he's going to do. And then he did it. He looks at him, he says, I'm going to die and rise again. I have a sacrifice that I'm going to pay. He's telling them this time and time and time and time again. 
And Jesus looks at him and he says, all right, guys, we've gotten to this point. We've gotten to the spot that we said we would make it to. Now, trust me on one more thing. Just wait and I will send you the greatest thing I ever could be. I will be with you on the inside. My spirit will be sent. And they look and they say, but when are you going to establish what we want? But when are you going to, it says they get around him, they gather around him. Jesus, good pep talk, but when are you going to do what we expected you to do? Jesus, that that sounds great. When do I get my stuff? Can I just tell you that there's a reality that we look to the Messiah, we look to Jesus so often and we say to him, when will you establish me? And he's saying, when will you wait on me? When will you wait for what I have? When will you wait to see the goodness of God in your life and not just settle for the good things that you think will make your life great? When will you look and say, what is the Messiah trying to do? You see, throughout these three things, throughout the realities that they walked through, we see that they wanted temporary solutions that led to their immediate relief, but God knew better. You read throughout the Old Testament, and in my word, the word they forgot is in there so much. God looks and he says, you don't need another earthly king. He's looking and saying, you don't need more earthly comfort. You need my spirit in you and with you. Because if you do not receive that, you do not receive Emmanuel, God with us. Then you will just continue to forget the depth of what I truly care for. And that is you. You see, we can talk about Emmanuel, God with us around Christmas time. And we can say, man, it's so awesome to think about a baby being born to think about Jesus being there. But the reality is we have to recognize the fact that just as the Israelites, oftentimes it's just as a disappointment to us as it is to them. Why do I say that? Because oftentimes God with us is not what we want, but it's what we need. With us means that he is walking by our side. What does that mean? That it's not just like a take you out of that situation. It's a let's get through this together. You see, oftentimes when we think about God, if we're being honest, if we're imagining it as a story, we want him to be the prince that shows up if we're like some damsel in distress. And he rides in. We don't know where he's from. We don't know what he's done or anything like that, but shows on up and says, I'm gonna swoop you up from your unfortunate circumstance and here you go. Here's your established kingdom you now can live in. We want him just to look and to say, here you go, but he's really God with us. What does that mean? Oh man, it means he enters the story with us. It means he enters in with us right where we're at. And he says, I love you so much. I will walk through whatever it is you're going through. And don't get me wrong. He is our deliverer. Don't get me wrong. He is a king who rules. Do not get me wrong. He is a God who wants to establish things in your life, but he's the one that wants to do it, not you fighting to see it happen. Just be with him and see what he does. Just be with him and see what he will do. The amount of disappointment they must have had. The amount of disappointment they must have had shows up and he's born in a manger. That's not royal. Oh. Goes and is out of Bethlehem. That's a small town. Oh, he's just a carpenter. My goodness. Rides in triumphal entry. They're like, man, this guy's gonna make up for all of it right here. Look at this. We're giving him this grand entrance. Look what we've done to set him up. And then he looks and says, I'm gonna go prepare to die. The disappointment that he was willing to take on because we misunderstood his heart. 
And he still extends that grace to us. You see, there's a reality when we talk about God with us that we have to shift our perspective. You see, for Sierra and I in this new season we're stepping into, for those of you that don't know, back in college, now I can say many years ago, it used to be like just like years ago, but now many years ago, at least a little bit, we felt the Lord put on our heart that one day he was going to lead us to help plant a church and that we would end up planting a church, seeing some things happen and all of that. And we looked and we said, all right, God, that sounds good. We're going to pray about that. We'll see what happens. And it's so easy to now glamorize it in this moment. But it's not a glamorous thing always to be obedient. Why do I say that? Because saying God be with us is to acknowledge the fact that it is not God be with me in my plans. It's saying God be with us and may I just walk by your side and whatever it is you're going through. For Sierra and I, like, what are we doing? We're, we're stepping out of a community that has shown so much love to us and care for us. That has looked as, there's so many of you in this room I can look at and I can say you've encouraged me in moments when I was at my lowest. And we're stepping away from that. And that is not an easy thing. It's not a glamorous thing. It's not a better thing. It's just saying, God, be with us. It's saying, God, help us to be obedient. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't look the way you would have expected. It's saying, God, simply be with us. Because we could fall into the same trap. We could fall into the same trap that the Israelites walked in. We could fall into the same trap that many of us struggle with. We could start to look and we could say, God, you've asked us to plant a church. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. We're going to see so many people saved. We're going to see awesome stuff happen. God, establish this church and make it easy for us. And that becomes the prayer. It starts to become, God, make my obedience easy. God, make my obedience comfortable. God, make my obedience make so much sense that it takes what? No faith at all. We can't do that when it comes to being faithful to God. We can't do that when it comes to obedience. Because can I tell you that if your decision to follow God takes no faith, then I wonder if it's one he's led you to. The disciples had to look at a man who was born in a manger, who was rejected by the people around him, and they had to say, we think you're the Messiah. That took some faith. That took some faith. See, the reality for Sierra and I as we step into this new season, if we've looked and we've simply just said, God, our hands are in front of you and we'll do what you want. I still remember the day that I was first talked to about being able to join the staff at BCA. And I still remember the day that we ended up having uh, Jared McKinney, one of our old youth pastors who hired me on when he announced that he was heading out. And there was a moment for me that I thought, man, I, I, think, I think I'll probably head on out too. We'll see what happens, see what God's gonna do. And I remember when John Shorb stopped me in the hallway and he looked at me and just said, hey, like, what if God's got something for you here? And it didn't make sense for what my plan was to stay. But man, can I tell you that I'm glad that I did. And can I tell you that now in this season, although it's hard to go, just as it was hard to stay then, I look and just say, God, just go ahead of it. God, just be in the midst of it. Some of you this year have things where you have to realize it's God with you, not a God above you. Some of you this year, you have to realize there are difficulties and situations that you are facing 
and you've looked and you've said, God, I just want to be removed from this, just invite him into it. And there's a reality. Some of you have situations and circumstances that I could not even imagine or fathom. So I don't say that to belittle it. But I say that to say, he wants to be with you. Will you let him? Will you let him? Will you let him be Emmanuel? Will you let him be God with us? Because I know for myself every day, I have to remind myself too. Obedience and following him is not meant to be easy, but it's meant to be worth it. We need God with us. So for us to have God with us, what do we have to understand about God? What do we have to understand about him? A lot of the times within messages, we wanna have those moments that we look and we say, what must we do? I want you today to realize what God has done for you and what God sees you as and how God's heart is pointed to you. So what are some things we have to realize and understand about God? Well, number one, we have to understand something. We have to understand that God wants to partner with you. Can we all agree that the worst people to be paired with for a project or to partner with somebody on are the people that just do like all the work when you really wanted to try to help. Like somebody says, hey, I'm gonna show you how to do this. And then they actually just do all of it. And they're like, you get it? Cool. And they leave. And you sit there and you're like, I had nothing to do with that. Can I tell you that when we think about faith, we have to understand a dichotomy within it. That your life is saved through Jesus alone. But walking with him now is a partnership. That by your works, you are not saved. By his sacrifice and his resurrection, you are saved. You are accepted into the kingdom. You are adopted as a son and daughter. And he sees you and says, I love you. And now he invites you to partner with him, hand in hand, walking through it. He wants to partner with you. He wants you to be the hands and feet of Christ. He wants you to say, hey, let's do this together. I want to encourage you, some, some of you. Some of you have had moments that you've looked at God and thought that he was the kind of partner that just says, I'll do all of it. No, 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 no. He wants to work with you on it. You need to show that you're willing to work on it. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Just means that he has more that he wants to do in your life than you could have ever imagined. So if you're just looking and you're saying, God, Oh God, I want, to, I want to be a better husband. God, I want to be a better wife. God, I want to be a better son. God, I want to be a better daughter. God, I want to be a kinder person. You better try. You better try. He wants to partner with you. He wants to be God with you, not God controlling your every movement. He wants to partner with you. Number two, God wants to be known by you. God wants to be known by you. God knows you, do you know him? Do you try to know him? Like, I know that Pastor Danny, he'll have times he'll refer it to this way. He'll look and he'll end up saying, man, if God sent you a personal letter, wouldn't you open it up and read it? He sent you a personal letter to your house and it's addressed God and somehow you know it's not scam. And you look and you say, all right, I'm gonna read this. Wouldn't you value that? Can I just tell you that's the Bible? That it is, is his word written to you and it is for you and he cares for you to know him through it. So if you're looking this year and you're saying, God, I want to know you more. Can I just challenge you? Read your Bible. Just read it. You might be like, Caleb, whenever you preach, and again, this is like my last time up here, so it's fine. I don't mind hitting the same nail. You might say, Caleb, when you get up there, you usually talk about reading the Bible. Why? Because it really matters. 
Because you're not just going to always have a pastor who's able to go through and talk through every single detail. God has things he wants to speak to you through his living and active word that it was God breathed and that he looks to you and he says, I have a word for you. Yes, God speaks to us in many ways, but if you're not willing to read your Bible and then you say, I'm not hearing from God, just read your Bible and see what he says. He wants to be known by you. You see, I've never been in a, a position to have to have this, but for some of you, you might recognize this, or maybe you just like have watched TV. I end up hearing people talk about having like lawyers on retainer, right? Where you end up having a lawyer where you're just like, you're going to hear from my lawyer and just like somehow they have a lawyer they can call. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever experience that. Probably won't. Hopefully won't. Hopefully don't need a lawyer. But they look and they're like, I'm going to call my lawyer. Here's the deal. That person in that moment has trust and faith that their lawyer will help them in what? Their situation. But they don't know their lawyer. They know their lawyer is trustworthy. They know they can care, that their lawyer will care for them and all these different things. But God wants to be more than your lawyer. Don't just invite God in when it's bad. Don't just look and say, I have a predicament. I have a situation. I need to call him up now to solve it. No, he wants to be with you. Why? Because then he's just got your back. Dumb example. I get one more. There's a reality, there's a difference between having a lawyer and then you have like that friend that you could call at any time and you just know they're going to pick up and be there for you. God wants to be with you. He wants to be there with you in the midst of what you're walking through. He wants to be able to what? Tap you on the shoulder and say, bad idea. Maybe don't do that. And then when you fall down, he's like going to pick you up and be like, all right, let's keep going. He won't be the buddy that says, let's do it again, but he might be the buddy that says, let's go this way. Let's be together on this. He wants to be known by you. And the third thing is this. God wants to walk with you. And you might say these all seem kind of similar. But there's a nuance to it that matters. God does not just want you to know him. He wants you to invite him to walk with you. Can I just tell you that I think there's many situations and circumstances that we end up in in our lives that we could avoid if we simply said, God, walk with me into this. I'll just be honest, there's times in my life where whether it was with issues of sin or just neglect, where if I had just said, God, walk with me in this moment, guess what? I would have been like, God's with me. I probably shouldn't do that. Here's the reality. When you start to have different struggles and situations in your life, are you willing to say, God, be with me? When you know it's New Year's Eve. When you know it's New Year's Eve and maybe you've had past struggles and you've had past issues, are you willing tonight before everything starts to say, God, be with me in it all? Because he might catch you and help you in the midst of a decision that you don't want to fall into. Are you willing to look this year and in the moments that last year were your greatest struggle and difficulty, say, God, walk with me. God, walk with me. God, you are right here. Are you willing to invite him into that? Because that's what Emmanuel is. Emmanuel ain't a baby just in a manger. Emmanuel is God's spirit in you and God walking with you and God saying, I love you so much that I'll walk with you through it all. That I'll walk with you through it all. So today, to land this whole thing, and I hope it's making sense for you, to land this whole thing is just to say this. God is with us. Are you willing to begin this year truly with him? 
Are you willing to begin this year truly with him? Are you willing to look this year and say, God, I am not just going to co-op your grace onto my life. I'm going to walk with your grace in mind. God, I am going to walk with your grace, washing over me and changing me in the moment so that I can live a life that what? Glorifies you. Why? Because you're right by my side. You're right by my side and through it all. He's with you. Are you willing to be with him? A way that I like to think about it is this, is there's oftentimes for people, they struggle in their relationship with God because they look and they always will say, man, well, I just either have done too many things for God to be with me, or they look and they say, I know that no matter what I do, God will be with me. But can I tell you this? God is very comfortable, I believe, hanging out two steps behind. Why? Because he can grab you and catch you to pick you up. And if you turn around and say, hey, do you want to be here? He can step right up. So there's moments that we might say, he's not next to me. Have you asked him to be there? Have you sped up a little bit so he can't? Or are you willing just to look and say, God, can we walk together this year? And you might say, this seems so cheesy, but I just think it's helpful. Are you willing just to every morning just say, God, be with me today? You're about to walk into a work meeting where you know you might blow up a little bit. You know you might get a little frustrated. God, be with me right now. God, may I honor you as though you were in the seat right next to me. God, may I know that you'll defend me in this moment. When you're going to walk into a space or a place that you've struggled in before, are you willing to look and say, God, be with me right now. Help me to have wisdom. Help me to have self-control. Help me to have discernment. Whatever it may be, are you willing to invite him in? As I close today, a verse that usually helps me get into a good headspace with this is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It reads like this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of times we say, God, what's your will for my life? Some of you might be people that look, and this is a great thing. I don't think it's bad by any means. You might be looking and saying, God, I want a word for this year. God, I want something that you're calling me to this year. Can I encourage you that if you don't have anything, have this be it. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. I love it because there's no qualifiers to why you would do it. It's not rejoice when you rejoice. It's rejoice always. Pray continually. Why? Because God is always there with you to talk with you through it. And give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because it's not just when it's good. It's that he is always good. Why can we rejoice always? Because God is who he is and he is with us. Why can we pray continually? Because he is a God who walks with us. Why can we rejoice in all circumstances? Why can we give thanks in all circumstances? Because he's with us. It's not always good. We have to get that. It's not always good. I, w- I, I wish I could get up and just say, guys, this year is going to be so great. You're going to love it so much. You're going to have perfect vision. I wish I could say that. This is all I can say to you with a, with a shadow of a doubt. He's with you. That's all I can say. He is Emmanuel, God with us, in and through it all, no matter what you face, no matter what you've done, he is there to be with you. Will you be with him? That's your question to answer. And so today I want to invite you just to stand with me if you're able. I want us just to have a moment to be able to pray. And we're gonna close in worship in a moment. Tradition's gonna close in worship in a moment. But as we close out today, as any good youth pastor would, I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just want to ask, I want to ask two questions. The first one is this. If you're in here today, 
and you have never chosen to follow Jesus, or maybe you did in the past and you feel like you've forgotten, and today you're saying, God, I want to recommit to walking with you in my life. If that's you today on the count of three, I just want to encourage you just to raise a hand. It's a moment. Imagine it like you're reaching out. He's grabbing your hand to pull you into it. If that's you, one, two, three, you want to accept Jesus or follow him anew. Lord Jesus, right now, we just pray for those who have an uplifted hand who are saying they want to step into life with you, God. God, I just thank you right now that you see them where they're at, God, that you forgive them for every sin and decision they have ever made that could have pushed them away from you. And you look at them now through the eyes of your son and you say that they are accepted and loved and cared for, Jesus. I just pray right now that it is the start of a new year and season, a new way of seeing themselves, Jesus. God, when they look in the mirror, may they not see themselves, but see what you have now done for them, Jesus, that they walk in your strength, God. Wash over them today, Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. You put your hands down. The second group is this. The second group is, I want you just to, this is my last time. I'm going to ask you to be real honest with yourself. I want you to be real honest with yourself. This year, and if you look back on last year, God wasn't with you because you didn't ask him to be. And today you're saying, there are things this last year that happened and I have done and that I did, that I did because I was not worried about him being with me. And going into this year, God, I want you to be by my side in and through it all to help me, to walk with me. God, yes, to steer me clear of some things. If today you're saying, God, be with me this year. Don't leave my side. I'm inviting you into it all right now. If that's you on the count of three, just raise a hand. One, two, three. He wants to walk with you in and through it all this year. Lord Jesus, right now, just keep your hands up. It's a moment of remembrance. If your shoulder gets tired, that's okay. God, we thank you right now that you are with us in and through it all, Lord Jesus. Whatever this last year might have knocked people off track, whatever this last year may have made them not look and say, God, be with me in this moment. May you give them eyes to see the path that you have for them. And God, may you help them. God, may you walk with them in and through it all, God. In and through it all, God. May they know that you are with them, Jesus. And God, the next time there's a situation that they would think to not invite you in, God, may you just so clearly impress upon their heart and their spirit that you want to be with them. Jesus, we thank you for today. And God, I pray for each and every one of us, whether you're in here or in traditions or online, that God, you would go ahead, you would lead, you would guide us and help us to love and honor you well, Jesus. We thank you for a new year and another opportunity to honor you, God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in your name. Amen, amen, amen.